You're listening to the Brooklyn USA podcast, an occasional audio love letter from Brooklyn to the world. Where did the idea of access come from? In this country, it would be easy enough to say it came out of the free speech movement of the 60s, but I think that would be a mistake because we find that the demand for it all over the world. In many other countries, they're using radio. Uh, in Spain, for example, they even have illegal television stations. And we're seeing that the desire for access, the demand for access, growing in many European countries. In this country, we've used access to cable television because it happened to be convenient and it gave us a chance to show what we could do on our own channels. We are all dominated by electronic media. For the most part, it's a one-way process, but it shouldn't be a one-way process any more than any means of communication should be one way. So what we're trying to do in Access is to give millions of ordinary people the right to use this vehicle. I think one of the very good things that's come out of the Access movement here in the last 15 years is that we have proven that ordinary people can make interesting, important television if we're given a chance. That's George Stoney, regarded by many as the father of public access television in the United States, speaking in 1986. The last quarter century has brought one technological revolution after another. But public access television remains a vital mechanism for people to express themselves and communicate with one another. Thanks to past and present efforts by public access advocates like Stoney, cable companies in the U.S. are required to provide channels and resources to communities in exchange for their use of the public right-of-way. Here in Brooklyn, these resources help support BRIC, an arts nonprofit that produces gallery shows, theatrical performances, town halls, concerts in Prospect Park, and of course this podcast. Brick is home to Brooklyn Free Speech TV, once known as BCAT, or Brooklyn Cable Access Television, where anyone who lives in a 112 zip code can learn media skills, use equipment, and broadcast their own show. This week, we hear from a few of the producers making interesting, important television for Free Speech TV. People whose lives have been changed by public access, because television rules the nation, in Brooklyn, USA. I think it's the best thing that happened when they started public access television. Because a lot of people have a lot of talent. They're good at what they do. So this is an opportunity to them for them to do what they want to do and still be successful in what they can do. So it's not that you can't do your show here, you know, move up or stay here, whichever one you want to do, the opportunity is there. My name is Lottie Shannon and I've been a host and producer of Keeping It Real with Shannon for the last, I think this is about my 25th year. Until I looked at myself in the mirror one day and I was disgusted with what I saw. So I said, you got to make a change, man. 
I've always wanted to be in communications, you know, like having a talk show or whatever, but uh, well, not so much the talk show. I really wanted just to be a producer because that's what I went to school for. So, you know, because I'm good at organizing, I'm good at producing things. So that's what I wanted to do. So, but what happened was, you know, when you graduate and you don't have a lot of experience, they don't want to hire you. And, you know, when I was going to college, I did an internship at ABC. I did an internship at Channel 5. Just kind of, you know, learning the basics and things like that. So then when I started looking for a job, I, you couldn't get it here because you don't have that kind of experience. So you have to move to a smaller state and you start there and then you start working yourself up. But at that time, by the time I had gotten my uh, master's in communication, I had gotten married. So my husband wasn't interested in packing up, moving to another state. So I ended up staying here. And then what happened was since I really you know, couldn't get the job at that time, then I ended up in education. And then I started working at the Department of Education. But I always, you know, kept my foot where I could do some communication. And then when they decided to bring public access television to the ballroom, I was working at Mega Evers College at the time, but I was still connected to the Board of Ed. And what happened was they had, they wanted representatives from different organizations in the community. So I came to the meeting representing Mega Evers College to start public access in Brooklyn. So I was a part of that group, you know, that talked about bringing it to Brooklyn. I always had the gift for gap, you know? I like talking to people. I like interacting with people. And like, like I said, since that's what I had really wanted to do, and then when this came along, when Public Access came along, I said, wow, this is it. This is my opportunity to do what I wanted to do, but just on a smaller scale. So even though I might not have been on a major uh, um, a station, I was still living my dream. Hi, if you're just joining us, our guest today is Ms. Kadesa Saley. And she wrote a book called Secret Education. This book helps students prepare themselves for college. So, Ms. Kaday, um, we've finished the scanner now, so now we're going to get serious <laughs> about these kids getting in college. So, some of the kids may go, now let me stop calling them kids. Some of the students yes. may want to go to college or university. Tell them what is the difference between a college and a university? It became like my passion because it's like, it was like my other world. I would work. <laughs> come home, do what I had to do. But this was my way out of having, you know, um, how you say, some kind of entertainment for myself. This was my passion. So this is what kept me sane, you know. And like I say to people all the time, if you have a story to tell or you have some information that you want to get out, you know, let me know. And you come on as a guest and, and let's get it out to the community. Because now with all the social media, we still need to use every platform that we have to get the word out about anything before. The next show coming up, we have a doctor who's been working on the vaccine. And so he's gonna come on and talk about, you know, how it came about, what they're working on and stuff like that. A lot of us would not have had the chance to live out of a dream if this hadn't happened. 
it also lets you know that, okay, you can still be famous even on public access television. It's not that you have to be glorified on the, the major network. I see this as a way of creating whatever it is you want. And that's what it's about, is what you want. If you got children that's ready to go to college, get this book. It has a lot of information in it that you need, and it tells you everything that you should do. And make sure your kids go to college. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to go to college, then make them get a job. <laughs> and they can move up from there. Yes. And as long as they bring in some money to help pay the rent, okay? <laughs> so thank you again for joining us. And thank you again for watching. And as always, we'll see you next time. Today's show is sponsored by Abu's Bakery. If you have a sweet tooth, stop by Abu's Bakery for some delicious cakes and pies. Brooklyn within itself, you talk about all the different culture that is within Brooklyn. You're going to get shows that are going to match that. And uh, you're not going to get that on network television because they have to perform for a demographic for whatever channel you're on. You're on Brooklyn Free Speech, you're getting the, the full spectrum of it. So, you know, just having people that you don't hear a lot of voices being heard, that's where you're going to hear it, and that's public access. My name is Ed Easton Jr. I'm a part of the uh, Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And uh, it's really uh, Brooklyn Free Speech Radio is more like a podcast type of setup. It's not live, but I've been a part of it since uh, 2017. I think that's when they tried to uh, start it for the first time. Uh, do a show in there called Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr., uh, interview local people in sports, whether they're from Brooklyn or they're like passing through. Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back. Another episode here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And for everyone listening, of course, on Keep It A Real Sports Network, thank you as well. I've been working in media for over a decade, and I've mostly worked behind the scenes as a producer or um, in some form of production. One of my biggest things is I've always wanted to be a talent. I wanted to have my voice, you know, actually be heard and not just be the guy writing the content or uh, producing it. So public access, uh, Brooklyn Free Speech gives you the opportunity to be the guy. So I'm writing my own material. I'm actually being able to speak and just have my own voice be heard in the situation. So uh, that was a really big deal for me. And, you know, you have that freedom, that ability to create. And like I said, to actually let it be me, let me be the host, let me be the talent to uh, actually get it done was a, a big step. I got hired with uh, USA Today Sports Media Group uh, covering the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this was back in 2019. And they heard a lot of my podcasts and some of the people that I was booking and the managing editor reached out to me and said, asked if I was interested in just originally being a writer. And when he saw the uh, podcast content that I had from Brooklyn Free Speech, you know, we just kind of married it together and developed the podcast. And um, since then, it's been pretty popular. Obviously, the team has been winning. They've gone to back-to-back -back Super Bowls since I've joined. So the joke around the office is I'm the good luck charm since I came on doing it. Welcome to another exciting episode of Chiefs Wire Stockwatch. I'm Ed Easton Jr. And Chiefs fans, the team has officially run it back to the Super Bowl after their victory in the AFC Championship game. It's been pretty cool, like uh, just to see now that I've gone from being a guy that was just primarily in the background 
to, okay, you're the host of this show. How do you develop it? How do you have it going? And the roots of it started with Brooklyn Free Speech. And one of my biggest takeaways from just working with other people from Brick from Brooklyn Free Speech is that the range of uh, the demographics is is all over the place. You you could be talking to somebody that's you know maybe a teenager. You could talk to somebody that's you know you would think would never be doing this. Probably in their like seventies, sixties. It's it's such a range of um, people that you could speak to in terms of the experiences and and I just think that's really cool because there is no door shut in your face. It's more like hey, we're open to trying this. Let's work together. Let's make it happen. So I, I love that community feel to it. The importance of it, obviously, is the community involvement. You know, you're not going to see certain programs like the ones that you do see on Brooklyn Free Speech on like the big networks because it's all about contracts. It's all about big money here on Brooklyn Free Speech. You can have a show that's a, it could be a soap opera one on one moment. Then the next minute it's a talk show and it's all made within the community. It doesn't, you know, feel very um how can I say this? Like bought, you know, nobody's bought. If anything, only buying is everyone buying in to uh, building their project. Getting the opportunity to actually be a talent and have your voice out there. And it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy in this field. You know, a lot of us work behind the scenes. If we are going to work in a um, commercial corporate type of realm, so uh, just having that that chance here to do it and then having it be used and be heard by the other networks for me to get an opportunity somewhere else as well, that's something that you really can't replicate many other places. It gave me a, a new lease on life in my career. So I, I really, like I, I'm all for free speech radio and free speech media. You're talking about just having that voice and having people really see themselves. I used to call it the world of the ponytails. You know, at one point, every male filmmaker had a ponytail. I was not part of this, this fraternity. You know, studios that are working studios would not think that there was any reason to share their skills or their, their heart with somebody who simply wanted to make films, say, to bust down the myths of what it means to be a person with autism. My name is Susan Abdelizer, and I became a community producer for Brick once I found out about it, which was from just some friends of mine who happened to notice the building <laughs> and thought that I would be interested. Brick Arts Media Brooklyn was founded in 1979 as a cultural institution that also had a civic mission. From the beginning, we've been dedicated to Brooklyn artists to provide them with a showcase for their works and a platform on which to develop those works. Brick also supports the creative process by offering hundreds of people each year the means to create television programming. I have a very 
unique position as a teacher in the New York City school system whose job is to initially was to coach other teachers in how to use media in their classroom. So I took it upon myself to create stories to make these instructional videos more interactive. And I had no access to anybody who would give me any feedback. I had no access to a professional studio to understand what that meant. I had no access to somebody really directing me as to how to use the camera. I mean, I, I, was, I was pretty good at it, you know, but you can only go so far in terms of your own capabilities and feedback. My first experience with digital video was when QuickTime came out, which was 1993. Uh, there were people who were obviously using digital video. They had avid machines and computers that and setups that cost $100,000, you know. And, and I was so new to all of this. I just wanted to have a little guidance somewhere. And so I went to the West 20s in New York City where there were a lot of uh, production companies there of various sorts. And I was really dismissed, you know. I, I just wanted a few questions answered, and there was nobody there to answer any of the questions. I gave up pretty quickly, you know, when I came up against that wall early on. I'm, I'm more confident than I was, but I've always been a bit shy. And, um, and if somebody says, you don't belong here, you know, while somebody else may rail against, you know, the injustice, I just thought, well, maybe I don't belong here, but I'll have to create my own circumstance, which I, which I did, which worked out actually very well. I still went forward, I still learned a lot, um, but I never had anybody to talk to about filmmaking. I never had anybody to ask questions of. And Brick was that magic portal. To let me in and find out all this information that those guys with a hundred thousand dollar avid studios were not telling me and they kept a big secret. The fact that you can have an organization like Brick, which can then help you by providing a place to go to take classes, a place to go to just sit and have coffee with other filmmakers, a place to go to find somebody who might want to, you know, hold the microphone while you're doing an interview, you know, a place where people step up and they're so eager to help. It's quite lovely. Yes, I'm an older woman who uh, worked for the school system. Well, some people would snap you right into a box, and that doesn't happen at Brick. The feedback was so extraordinary, and this was the feedback from people who were trained and people who were not trained, and honest and robust, and it helped me create a film that I had decided to make about something that happened to my mother-in-law in Iraq in 1941. 
we used to sing and and talk and uh, under the skies. The skies in Baghdad all lit up and you can see really and and it becomes so low you can see every stars and when the moon it was the most beautiful scene to to be there so those days unfortunately it didn't last long the jews you know they start having problem again i'm going back to to 70 years ago this is my memory as a child oh it was a terrible period The availability of this, this community resource, which is a community resource not because we were given this by the cable company, but because the people paid for the infrastructure of media and distribution and deserve the right and the access to tell stories that are important to them on a local level, or whatever level they want to tell their stories. I saw something on a t-shirt recently, which I don't know, sometimes t-shirts are very wise, and it said, uh, the shortest distance between two people is a story. You know, and I love that idea, and, and I think that's what um, I sort of aim for you know, the ideas when couched in story and presented in film and distributed through a public access TV organization is just a, a, a wonderful combination of communication and storytelling that I really treasure. For me, the goal is to have a voice, to have a voice, and to have a complete voice that express those things that are, that are of interest to me, to be able to, to produce what I think about and how I see things. That's, that's like, you know, that's goal. I, I, it may not be the way everyone else sees, sees things, but if I can put stuff out there and knowing that it may uh, influence one person. And, and that's important. My name is Alfonso Severos. I have a monthly free speech TV show at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn. And, and the focus of the show is to interview those people who are sort of on the edge of the news with innovative projects. I, I, I do a lot with startups, people who are in tech field and non-tech field startups. I also do a weekly jazz podcast, uh, and that's a lot of fun. I did a documentary at Brick. I took the documentary class, uh, produced a documentary on uh, Arturo Alfonso Schomburg. That was, you know, very, very, I learned a lot, uh, and it was satisfying. Arturo Alfonso Schomburg was born on January 24th, 
1874 in Santuse, Puerto Rico, one year after the ending of slavery on the island. I'm a person who had no background in media, television, none of this stuff. I mean, I retired from full-time work in 2008. I was working with the City University of New York and I was just gonna do part-time teaching. And I didn't know anything about that brick even existed. And so a little while after retirement, maybe six months or something, I was in my house, woke up one morning, the radio came on and it had a, an advertisement about an orientation with, with a, at that, at that time it was called BCAT. Hey, do you wanna make your own TV show? Then get over to the Center for Media Education at BCAT in the heart of Fort Greene in downtown Brooklyn. I went down to the orientation in 2009. I started taking classes on TV production. I started working on people's shows. And then I started trying to do my own show. Welcome to Second Saturday TV. Haptic technology is technology around a sense of touch, applying force, vibrations, and motions. I had no background in any of this. So this was, was something that uh, I just so happened that I went to and found out that I really liked. So uh, it's an important part of who I am and what I do now. When you retire, now you have some options. You can uh, do what a lot of people do is find a park bench sit back. I was searching. I knew, I knew me. I knew I'm a very active person and been active all my life and involved in a lot of different things. If someone asks me today what I do, you know, one of the first things I'm going to talk about is, is my media work. That's what I do. And the other thing is, uh, it sort of struck a little creative part in me. I always thought of myself as a creative person, but didn't directly involve in creative activities. This really sort of sparked that creative part of me. And there's been a spinoff since then. Started doing poetry. I'm working on my fourth poetry book. Uh, I always liked poetry, but I never wrote poetry. Legacy. I am my father's child. I am of him, from him, but not him. Others see him in me but I do not. I am my father's child, and I carry his pain like a curse, an inescapable obsession, just as he carried his father's pain. I am my father's child, and my son will carry my pain. When I did my documentary and I threw it up on YouTube, it's approaching 2,000 views. And that's, that's kind of cool. I've done 85 podcasts with over 5,000 listeners. Uh, and I don't know if this is the same person, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I know that that's getting out there. I've gotten feedback from people who says, yeah, I listened to that. I saw that. I enjoy that. So that's, that's kind of cool. It's, it, it's reinforcing that, that I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that I like to do, but it's also impacting people in different ways. Its value is not only to the individual, but also to the community. 
because it's it's an avenue for information outside of the mainstream media. This allows an access where I can talk about what's going on in my little neck of the woods and be able to put that out there for other people who live in my neck of the woods to be informed. The, the value of, of community access is the most important value it's in its title, community. It empowers community to connect. And, and that's what it's about, is connecting. Connecting stories, connecting information, connecting person to person. Just seeing how in the past, this archive and information and history, how important it is to have it, you know, and that's what it'll be for the future as well, because we're documenting the moment, which will be history in the future. My name is Katriana Vaughn. I live in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. My show is highlighting people in business, arts, and culture that have that are called the legends of the future. So it's like people that are really talented or making an impact in the world, but the common person probably wouldn't know who they were. Hi, welcome to the Catriona Yvonne Show, and today's guest is the extraordinary <laughs> Voodoo Fang. Yay! <laughs> and if you don't know who he is, you will know by the time the show is over. I feel like my work is important and it helps people, you know, gives them an opportunity that they may not normally have to have that vehicle to be on TV. I'm a poet also. I had my first book come out last year. I am sequence and sparkle like glitter. I shine. I am elegant. I can be flashy. I stand out and light up both just the same. I am glitter and sparkle when everything is dimly lit. A vision from the distance that is me. I am the sparkle and glitter of life with the brightest shine. I have been tested by the tough tugs of life. Like sequence, my soul has shedded some of my shine, lost some glitter, but my shine, I will still sparkle. And still my happy appears brighter, twinkling, dancing through what was once rough, still shining brightly just the same. I shine and light up spaces that are dark. I am sequence and sparkle, shining bright like the gleam in your eye. I did not have any aspirations to be a producer or a poet. About five years ago, I had worked one place for 17 years, pretty much had done everything as far as I knew that I wanted to do. And then I decided I was gonna start a business, One Woman Lead, to help women start a business. So I just started taking classes at Brick and I took all the classes at Brick, the studio producer, mini studio editing, and that was history. It has changed my life. It's given me, <laughs> it's given me life. Like I said, I came from a retail background like many years ago, but never did I consider myself 
words like a producer, a poet, none of that really was me. I became what I am. And this is what I guess I'll continue to be. Public access is access to another channel of the brain that incites creativity and the productivity of people creatively. It's a place where things happen, where even if a person just had a vision of something they wanted to do and had no idea, they could come take a class, meet someone, because everyone is usually willing to help each other. So it's all about community and people helping each other. And at this point where we're going in the future, we're gonna depend on each other. So I think that public access has been a training ground in a way for that, to depend on community and have access to one another. And that's what's gonna keep us going and to the future and, and help change the world. Even though everything has its challenges <laughs> at times, it's definitely broadened my life. It's given me new birth that I'm pretty sure that'll last until <laughs> my last moments. Brooklyn USA is produced by me, Karel Palmer. And me, Emily Bogosian. And me, Shirin Barri. And me, Charlie Hoxie. And me, Mayumi Sato. With help this week from Elise Anand, Anthony Riddle, and the entire Brooklyn Free Speech TV family. If you want to tell us a story or somehow end up on our podcast, check the show notes for a link to our guide on recording a voice memo on your mobile phone and sending it to us on the internet. If you like what you hear or think we missed something, comment, like, share, and subscribe. And follow at Break TV on Twitter and Instagram for updates. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit www.brickartsmedia.org radio. To be very honest with you, I haven't had a TV for many, many years. Uh, since the one we had got rained on and it died. And, <laughs> and that's a whole funny story.